0: Well, g'day there. How are we going? Gee, it's uh, been a while since I've done a podcast. It's been uh, nearly three months now. It's Glennow here. I hope everyone's well. Well, 2020, what a year this has been. This is uh, certainly something out of the ordinary, especially with COVID-19 and so forth. And uh, on this episode, I'll be talking a bit about that, what I've been doing during the, um, well, the standoff period and shutdown. So I haven't worked for a while and uh, stuff like that. We're also going to be talking about TikTok, the new crazy social media app that's supposedly taking the world by storm, and I will share my experience with that app soon. So let the show begin. Now, wow, back in March was the last podcast I did, and that was around the time where we had the toilet paper pandemic, where it was very hard to get toilet paper and other basic necessities when the COVID-19 started and the cases of uh, COVID-19 rising rapidly in Australia around about that time, and people were clearing the shelves in the supermarket, and there were fights and all sorts of things from that, and, um, and as a result of that, obviously, um, a lot of people lost their jobs too, um, when Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister of Australia, announced um, cafes, restaurants and, and and other things, businesses would have to close as a result, result of COVID-19. Now, I did a few videos and Instagram stories back in March uh, about when the borders were closed in Queensland and the borders are still closed. And uh, I was going to do a few updates about COVID-19 over the last eight or nine weeks. I decided not to because so much was changing at a rapid rate. It just wasn't worth doing a podcast every time. And one thing I've learned about podcasting is generally people don't listen to the episode straight away. Unlike when you do an Instagram story and that, uh, people seem to tune in pretty much straight away. Uh, because it's that 24-hour time frame before the story disappears. And it's the same with Facebook stories. But um, what I've learned about podcasts is people don't listen to it straight away. And when I look at the figures, um, the listeners only start to pick up. When I look at the amount of people that are viewing the uh, episodes or listening to the episodes, um, they only start filtering through after about a week. And a lot of people can download podcasts and listen to them offline at their convenience. So, I thought it just wasn't worth uh, doing a podcast every third or fourth day when a, when a next when an announcement was made. So I thought I'd just wait until things settled down, which is what I'm doing now. So, so what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. A lot has happened, and I'm going to try and go through this briefly without rambling on. Um. I got stood down for my job around the 23rd or 24th of March, around about the same time. That's when planes stopped flying in. So we just noticed a gradual decrease of planes coming in and the company announced that they would stand most of our staff down for the company I work for. And uh, I've only just um, gone back to work on a limited basis in the last three or four weeks doing two to three days a week. And that will increase probably as restrictions get lifted further in the foreseeable future. So uh, yeah, so late March, um, I stopped working, I was on two weeks annual leave because I didn't know what was going to happen. JobKeeper wasn't announced at the time when I got stood down. Thankfully the company did uh, sign up for JobKeeper. So I've gone all this time uh, and haven't really been financially disadvantaged. Unlike a lot of other people, uh, casuals and so forth, or people that are on a big wage, and then they've had to go down to 1500 or a fortnight, obviously would have felt the impact a lot more, especially if you've got families, rent and mortgages to pay. So it didn't affect me financially that bad. I was a bit lucky. But um, we're not out of the woods yet, though. Uh, JobKeeper does finish in September, and businesses have to sustain themselves from September onwards. They've got to make sure they've got the money to start paying the wages. So there could be further job losses at the end of September as we're heading to spring. Uh, so we've just got to wait and see what happens there. So, um, so basically, what I've been doing is enjoying myself. Um, I won't lie; I haven't been bored at all. Um, I've been editing. I've been cleaning the house. I've been a lot of lot of cleaning the house actually, doing windows and everything. And uh, I've still been taking photos. Now I know there was a bit of debate about whether we could go out and take photos you know, a month or so ago with the restrictions and that. Um, it sort of varied from state to state, really. But for me, I live fairly close to the beach. So going out to the beach, I was still doing my morning walks and my afternoon walks. And I was taking the odd photo and I wasn't really mixing with anyone. So to me, I don't think it was an issue. I actually went up to a police officer down at Burley one morning and asked him, can I take a couple of photos on the shoreline by the beach? And he, he pretty much said, go for it. Just don't stand there too long, and as long as you don't have two or three people close to you. So I continued to take photos, um, not as much as I, I, I normally would, but I was out there and about, and uh, I certainly was filling the day in doing all sorts of different things and uh, going for me walks and doing a lot of exercising. So it hasn't been really bad at all, and I suppose with JobKeeper helping the cause, um, the only problem with JobKeeper though is it's sort of it sort of it's hard to get back into the workforce because you're getting paid to do nothing and you have that mindset that you think it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. But unfortunately, um, all good things come to an end and we just can't keep the country going like this. The government's going to be in a lot of debt over this and it's going to take many years to recover that debt. So we've got to try and be realistic about it and uh, we've got to get things back to normal pretty soon. Now, the borders are still closed up here. Um, Now... Personally, I think the borders should be lifted now. Now, the Premier have the premier of Queensland, have she's got her reasons why she wants the borders closed. She's worried about a second wave of the coronavirus. And uh, with these protests that have been happening over the last couple of weeks, um, they're just waiting to see if there's going to be a spike in cases uh, as a result of that. If not, I'm pretty confident that the borders could open by July. Uh, that's just my opinion on it. The Premier of Queensland... I can't pronounce that name, so I'm not going to bother. She's saying September as a last, as a as a worst case scenario. So September could be when the borders open, but uh, I'm sort of thinking July. I've just got that hunch, but I could be wrong. So uh, the borders have been closed, what nearly three months now. And I did say when I did um, I did a Facebook video where the checkpoint was when they first set it up back in March to explain the besiege on how it worked, and I did say back in that video, that this would last for months, not weeks. So I was uh, pretty right there and has been months. So we will keep an eye on that and see what happens when it comes to borders. And no doubt when the borders reopen, planes will start gradually flying in again. Uh, It won't be suddenly. It'll be a gradual process. And things will hopefully get back to normality in a few months' time. But that remains to be seen. Now, I've done the right thing. I haven't actually driven into New South Wales since March and uh, since I moved up here six years ago, that's been the longest spell of not going into New South Wales since I've moved up here. I've always gone down there to take photos at least once a week, um, Bar or uh, Cabarita Beach, Kingscliff, Byron Bay, all those areas I love going to. I forget what it looks like down there now, and I really can't wait to get back down there. But I thought to myself, I can get a COVID pass and go down into New South Wales uh, because the New South Wales border's not closed. But you need a pass to get back into Queensland. I said, no, I couldn't be bothered doing that. I'd rather wait until the border's open fully where you don't need a pass. And once that happens, I will start uh, venturing down to my favourite places in northern New South Wales. And... um, start taking photos down there again. Now, mind you, now that restrictions have lifted in the last two or three weeks where we're allowed to drive a lot further, we can drive in our state now. There's no restriction on where you can drive. So there's plenty of places up here where I can go and take photos. I can go back out to the scenic rim, out to Warwick, or um, I can go up to the Sunshine Coast. So it's not like I'm just restricted to the Gold Coast now. So there are plenty of places I can go if I want to take some photos and so forth. And uh, I love driving out to the scenic rim, out to Bow Desert and Lake Wire along and that. It's a beautiful drive. It takes about an hour, hour and a half from where I live. And uh, I really look forward to going out there and breathing in that fresh country air, especially in wintertime. And we get really good sunsets up here in winter. So um, I might have to go for a bit of a drive out there in the next couple of weeks. So we'll just see what happens when the borders reopen and uh, so yes, yeah, so I have been home just taking photos, been doing a lot of editing, I've been cleaning out my hard drive, I've had a lot of photos over the years where I know I'm not going to post on social media so I deleted them um, and I've got a few favourites also that I haven't posted on social media that I'm going to keep and I uh, I will have to buy a portable hard drive too, this one's sort of on its way out. My laptop's about six years old, now generally that's the lifespan of a a laptop, so I'm going to have to probably upgrade my laptop soon, so no doubt I'm going to have to get a better hard drive, Uh, especially the ones that are a solid state hard drive, they're a lot quicker to transfer files and that, so I've got to do that. Um, what else have I been doing? So as I said, I have been out doing a few sunrises and sunsets around the Gold Coast area. Um, normally this time of year, I'm actually down in Sydney for the Vivid Festival. Um, over the last, well, six years since I moved up here, I've always gone down for at least two to three weeks and I I, I would be down there now catching up with everyone and catching up with family and that. Sadly, I'm not down there. Uh, my sister's not well at the moment, and um, I wanted to go down there and visit her, but I'm just going to wait until things settle down, and I might go down later in the year for a couple of weeks, or I'll just wait until Vivid 2021. Hopefully it'll be bigger than, better than ever. It remains to be seen. So it's a bit sad because I look forward to going down to Sydney once a year, and uh, we sort of knew the writing was on the wall for Vivid Um, being cancelled and I think they cancelled that back in March so uh, and also I've had a few health problems. Um, I had a a lump on my head that resembled like a little pimple and I just noticed it when I was washing my hair and I've got a bit of a bald patch and uh, I just noticed it and I got a mirror and had a look and I thought I better get that checked out and about three days later it started to turn black I'm actually going to put a series of photos up on my Instagram stories in the, probably in the next few days to a week, just to uh, talk about the importance of skin cancer and having your skin checked. So when it did turn black, I got really concerned and realized it wasn't a pimple. I went down to a skin cancer place at Burley and they took a biopsy and they rang me a few days later and said, yes, it is skin cancer that needs to be cut out. I just did not think it was going to be 21 stitches, it was a big cut and uh, I only got the stitches taken out last week and I had them in there for three weeks and I had to change the dressing every day on my own and uh, sometimes I'd go into the medical centre and they would change the dressing for me, you try changing a dressing on your head using a mirror to guide it, to put it in the right spot because it was a fairly big cut and I uh, as I said, um, I was sort of shocked to find that uh, it was a cancer. It wasn't a melanoma, luckily, but uh, it's been cut out now. It was sent to pathology, and I think everything's okay. So the doctor got enough margin out. So it's so important to get your skin checked. Um, so every six months now, I'm going to go back there and get my skin checked. And um, it just goes to show because I haven't spent much time in the sun over the years. When I was a apprentice. Uh, builder or bricklayer back in the late 1980s when I left school. I might have spent some time in the sun then for a couple of years because I only did the job for about two years. Maybe that was enough to set it off. So, uh, And I always wore a hat. And back then I had a lot of hair, unlike now. So uh, it just goes to show that skin cancers can develop in parts where you didn't necessarily get burnt or sunburned. So it's very important. Even look under your feet and and back at the back of your ankles. Uh, my father's one of my father's workmates who sadly passed away from skin cancer he had a melanoma on the back of his heel, and he just didn't think anything of it. He just thought it was a pimple or or a sore, and it didn't get better. And he got it checked out, and it had and it had spread to other parts of his body. So please, guys, check your skin. Do it every six months, regardless of your age. It's very important. I've got to go back there next month to get this uh, scar checked and there's a couple little bits of dry skin on the head that she thinks could possibly be skin cancers down the track and she's going to burn them off. So I'm going to go back for that in July. So yes, so um, it was a bit of a scare but I'm, I'm okay now and, um, and I've got gallstones too by the way. I've had a bit of pain in the abdomen for most of the year and I thought I'd get it checked out while I wasn't working and it was a bit of a dull pain and had an ultrasound done and I've got gallstones. I'm trying to change my diet. I'm eating a lot less saturated fat now and more fish. I've been having fish twice a week now and uh, I must say, since I've changed my diet, I don't have the pain in the abdomen anymore, so the gallstones have settled down. But I am on a waiting list, so it could take several years to get them taken out, especially if I don't have any uh, reoccurring attacks. So uh, we'll just keep an eye on that and see what happens. Well, I thought we had enough social media apps with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so forth. Um, I heard about this, well, I wouldn't call it a new app, it's been around for a couple of years now, called TikTok. And TikTok is a social media uh, app, and basically it allows people to dance or lip sync or do comedy-type videos and so forth up to one minute. Uh, generally around 15 seconds is the standard, but you can do up to one-minute videos. And uh, it's a Chinese-based company. They merged with Musical.ly uh, back in 2018, which is a, uh, a similar app. Uh, a lot of people that uh, are on TikTok now had Musical.ly before that, and uh, it was the same thing, like lip syncing with songs and so forth. And um, one of the photographers here in Southeast Queensland, I think his yeah his name's Mitchell Pettigrew, uh, Pettigrew. That's right. Sorry, Mitch, if I got that last name wrong. Uh, I met him doing sunset up at Brighton, north of Brisbane, a couple of months ago, and he actually told me to download it because a lot of people love doing doing uh, me doing my weather reports and that on Instagram stories and. He thought that, you know, I'd do well on TikTok. And uh, so I held off for a while because I was a bit critical of the app. I saw a few people I follow on Instagram share their TikToks on their Instagram stories. And I thought, no, nah, that's not for me. It's just dancing and just a lot of mucking around and a bit of fun. And uh, But then I thought, no, nah, I'll give it a chance. So I downloaded the app and... Um, A lot of creativity on there, actually. And um, there's a lot of people, a lot of photographers now that have got on board with TikTok doing videos of their landscapes and uh, where they do sunrise and sunsets and so forth. So uh, it's mainly dominated still by the young generation doing dancing to songs and so forth and and doing trends. It's all about trends on TikTok. Um, If you can go along with the latest trends with whatever the latest dance craze is and so forth, you will do well on the platform. But uh, I'm not going to do something that my heart's not set in doing. So I'm not going to do the dancing and the Carol Baskins and all that type of dancing just to think that I'm going to hit the For You page and get famous. That's not what it's about for me. My heart is in photography and doing video of uh, the places where I normally would do sunrise and sunsets and – I've noticed with the photographers, we don't do as well as the people that are doing the dancing and that, which proves to me that TikTok is a different audience to Instagram and Facebook. And I'm surprised at the amount of people, and these are young people too that are doing so well and all they're doing is this dancing and stuff or doing burnouts in cars or driving fast on the freeway and showing, basically showing off. And they're doing so well from it and I'm sort of, uh, I'm gobsmacked. Um, there's even schoolgirls in high school doing TikTok dances and some of them have got thirty or 40,000 followers. Now, these are people that probably wouldn't do well on Instagram and Facebook but they found their niche in TikTok. So um, so I thought I'd give it a go and I have uploaded probably about 30, 40 videos now and i bought a GoPro I had an old GoPro before that I used to do, um, used to take photos of waves and that in the beach, but unfortunately water got in the casing when I was down at Lennox Head about four or five years ago, and um, it pretty much killed the uh, GoPro. Uh, The seal must have failed in it or something, but uh, i got this newer one now where you don't need a case, and um, it's worked well, so I've done a bit of surfing. As uh, some of you probably saw on my Instagram stories, I've been, well, when I say surfing, I'm not referring to getting on a surfboard because I'd smack it in half, I think, but uh, I've been doing a lot of wave videos and so forth, and I've been do, doing videos um, along the shoreline where I normally would take photos along the shoreline, so I'm just doing a video version of it for TikTok, and I've got my glass ball that I use in some of the videos, and um, I think I've got 200 followers now. So I'm doing, well, I don't care how many followers I get on this, but uh, I think it's one of these things, just like Instagram and that back in the early days, you needed to jump on the platform early. Now, I wasn't really familiar with Musical.ly two, three years ago. Uh, Those people that were on there, they automatically merged with TikTok and then they got obviously a stronger fan base after that. So I only joined about six, seven weeks ago. And it is hard to grow. I can tell you now it seems to be a lot harder than what it is uh, uh, trying to grow on Instagram. And I think once again it just goes back to that same rule where there's so many people on the platform now that people need to really follow new people. And uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the video is repetitive, especially if you click on the hashtags on certain dances. Um, it's just different videos of different people doing a different version of it, basically. So it can get a bit repetitive when you go through your feed. And, um, so I'm really only looking for landscape photographers and so forth that are doing video and I'm following them. Now, going back to Mitch again, Mitchell Pettigrew, um, he's doing really well on Instagram. Well, he started TikTok only last year and he's got over 3 million followers, so he found something that was unique that attracted the audience and I think you've got to, the way TikTok works with the algorithm and I hate algorithms, I think it should should be just fair for everyone, is the longer someone views your video, the more chance you get on the For You page which is like Instagram's version of the Explore page and that's how you find people to follow and so forth and you can also share your TikTok on other social medias too if uh, you get people from Instagram and Facebook to follow you on there as well. But uh, I mainly find people through the For You page. And if your video is interesting and people look at it long enough, you'll make the For You page and that's when your videos can go viral and that's when you get a lot of followers. And then if you can keep the great content up, the momentum will just keep you going. I think that's what happened in in Mitchell's case. And there's another one too, Geordie. Um, I can't remember his last name, but his um, Instagram is outdoor kind of guy. I follow him on Instagram. He's recently uh, on TikTok doing very similar work to what Mitchell does with uh, doing wave um, videos of waves and so forth and underwater when, when there's really nice clarity and that. And he's got over 1 million followers now and he's grown very quickly. And I think they're both verified. So good luck to him. Um, but uh, for me, I'm stuck on 200 followers, but um, it's a bit of fun, and there is some fun stuff that I do see on the for you page. I think it's hilarious some of the videos that they do, but uh, um, it's just funny how, for some reason, the landscape photographers and videographers don't—they just can't seem to break into TikTok, uh, except for those two people I just mentioned. Um, you've just got to do something very special, um, and. Uh, basically how it works is your first video you put up will automatically go on the For You page because it's your first video and that's how people try and find you. I think the key to TikTok is, and if I started the account over again, is if your first video is really mind-blowing and very attractive and you can sort of keep that momentum going, I think that's the key to success on TikTok. But for me, I think I'm just happy just um, just sharing the videos I do of sunrises and sunsets and people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But I think the app is uh, a Generation Z app. A lot of young people, you know, 15 to 30 age group, is, you know, people my age, there's not many people my age on the platform and I think it's a very young demographic app and I think it's sort of hard to break into that. Uh, with the work that we're doing compared to doing uh, dancing and stupid things and people diving, jumping off roofs into swimming pools and people injuring themselves, doing skateboard tricks and that. For some reason, the young generation, they want to see that. They want to see drama and action. They don't want to see videos of the shoreline with the sun coming up, which I think is nice. So so I'm on there and I'm going to give it a go and... um, As I said, I'll just keep on the platform for a while. So that's why I haven't been really active on Instagram as much because I've been concentrating on TikTok. And um, we'll just see how we go with that down the track. Well, Big Brother's back on our screens after a six year absence. Uh, The Seven Network this time are doing the show. And it's not a dream world. Uh, The old Big Brother house got burnt down by arsonists a couple of years ago and it's since been destroyed. So Channel 7 had to look for another uh, place to host the show and it's in Manly in North Head. There's an old warehouse there. I actually looked on Google Maps to see where it actually was and uh, there's a warehouse there and they converted into a Big Brother house. So the the new edition of Big Brother is being um, televised in Sydney at North Head. Um, so it's the first time in six years it's been on TV, uh, Channel 9 did the, uh, a series from 2012 to 2014. They did three seasons, and Sonia Kruger also hosted that, as she does with this current series. And then we've got the original Big Brother that um, went from 2001 to 2008. The first seven years was um, Gretel Colleen hosted that, and Kyle and Jackie O did the 2008 series before it was axed by Channel 10. So that's just a brief history on Big Brother, and I enjoyed the old version compared to this one. Uh, I've only watched a few episodes of the Channel 7 version. But I can't believe it's been 19 years since Big Brother debuted in 2001. It only felt like eight or nine years ago where Big Brother first debuted, but it's been nearly 20 years. I just cannot believe how quick the time has gone. And unlike the current Big Brother... I did prefer the older series. Um, the the live audience, the live evictions, and the fact that the audience can vote the housemates out it was is what made what made the show. as uh, they were part of the reality TV. Uh, obviously, Channel Seven have taken a different approach, and there's no live evictions and no live audience. Although I do believe that the last episode, the public will decide who will win the show. So that remains to be seen. I do believe that this current series on Channel 7 does go for about seven or eight weeks. And uh, I think a housemate gets evicted every night. Although Channel 7 are only showing three episodes a week. It is a delayed telecast. It's not live. I'm just not too sure how... uh, how long they film it before it does air on TV, whether it's a week or a few days or so forth. I don't even know if the housemates are still in the house, so um, I'm not too sure about that. But um, the way they do it this time is uh, it's pretty much based on the old series where someone gets evicted and so forth. And uh, always controversy when you've got um, 13 or 14 people in a house that don't know each other. There's bound to be clashes and disagreements. I think every Big Brother series has had that. But where it's a bit different this year is um, the person that wins the challenge, that they have challenges every night, they actually they can um, nominate three people uh, for eviction and then the rest of the housemates then discuss and talk about it and whatever and uh, they vote who goes out out of those three. Uh, the old way, which is the way I preferred it, was the um, every housemate would nominate uh, once a week, and uh, then the public would decide who got evicted, and then they couldn't discuss about who they voted for and talked about, whereas this one, they can openly discuss and plot and work out who goes and so forth. So I'm not really keen on the latest way they're doing it, I prefer... The old school way of Big Brother and how they did it, but that's uh, how Channel Seven want to do it. But I will be watching it with interest, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out and whether it will be a success. Whether Channel Seven will continue to do further seasons in years to come, depending all depends on ratings. But uh, like I said, I do prefer the older versions, and I do remember the first uh, Big Brother episode back in two thousand and one, and the housemates hopping out of the cars in limousines and. Uh, being introduced to Gretel Colleen and going in the house and they were in there for about 12 or 13 weeks with one person getting evicted um, once a week. And then throughout the years there, were, there, there, there was differences, you know, they had uh, intruders come in and so forth and, and different type of things and they had the Friday night games in the later series and stuff like that which was pretty cool to watch and it was uh, very high rating as well. But I just want to go back... Um, to, to the old big brother, like I've been just talking about, about just the different people that have uh, ended up being celebrities and ones that have just you've sort of never heard from. Um, I'll give you one example: Peter Corbett, who won season two. He was very popular. And he was very humble, and I think that's what won him in that series. Um, he's just gone back to normal life, and he's really been uh, really been heard of since. Um, you got Blair McDowell from season one. Uh, he works in television and media. Uh, who remembers Sarah Marie from season one doing that bum dance? Well, she works in the mines in Western Australia now and sort of uh, sort of disappeared into in back into her own life again, which most of them have done. Uh, what about Regina, who won season three? Uh, we all love Regina. Um, just back to her in a minute um, about what she's been up to now. Chrissy Swan was the runner-up in season three, and she works in media and TV now. Uh, Trevor Butler, that won season four, he works on uh, Hot Tomato on the Gold Coast doing promotions. And um, Ryan Fitzgerald, he works in radio on on Nova FM. So um, some of them have found um, themselves working in media and television. I think there was a couple of others. I think one of them, I can't remember his name now. Um, He actually works as a producer over in Los Angeles. So, um, and then there were the controversies as well. One of the ma- major controversies of Big Brother was in Season 4 with Merlin. Uh, if you remember Merlin Luck, he uh, when he got evicted, he um, refused to speak to Gretel Colleen when he walked out on stage and had a tape over his mouth and a sign held up saying, free the refugees, as he was a refugee advocate, and uh, that caused a lot of controversy there. And... Um, Bree Amar was evicted and then they realised not long afterwards that uh, they got the tally wrong and it was actually someone else that was meant to be evicted. So Brie Amar ended up going back in the house and uh, she ended up being the runner-up uh, to Trevor Butler uh, in Season 4. So um, certainly some... Um, Interesting situations happened back then, but gee, it was good viewing. And um, I think there was a couple of seasons there. Big Brother, you could live stream 24/7 um, and, and watch the housemates 24/7 on your computer. So, uh, but back to Regina, uh, she won season three. She was probably one of my favourite housemates. Uh, her and her husband had a fish and chip shop in Tasmania, and Regina was that just down to earth person, typical Australian, and uh, Everyone loved her, and um, she's fallen on hard times uh, recently. I've been looking up some information about her, and um, unfortunately, uh, they had to sell the fish and chip shop. She had to walk away from that. Her and her husband, or her first husband, got divorced, and then she met someone else and had two uh, children, and uh, she got divorced again, and um, she now lives on the Gold Coast. Uh, What I've just found out recently is she suffers from an eye condition, so Regina Is actually uh, gradually going blind and I think she's on a waiting list to get cataracts taken out of her eyes from what I've read and Regina's son also has cystic fibrosis so um, that is sort of sad to hear so um, but she does live up on the Gold Coast here now and uh, it's just interesting when I've been looking up information on what they're doing and and so forth so uh, but um, they were the old days of Big Brother, and uh, obviously it's sort of a, a newer version now, So, uh, but one thing that was really interesting when I watched the show the other day was uh, there is a lady in there, and she's 61 years old, and her name's Marissa Rankin, and she's one of three sisters called the Rankin Sisters, and they actually introduced aerobics into Australia back in the 1980s, and they had shows on in the morning and so forth. So she's in there, and um, what I was actually surprised about is when Marissa found out she got nominated, she actually cracked a hissy fit. Um, Someone that's of that age, I was actually surprised. She actually uh, was walking up and down around the house, and I think she was in shock that she actually got nominated. Now, she ended up not getting evicted, but uh, I just couldn't believe the reaction when she realised she got nominated for someone that age. And I just was shocked. I really was just by – now, we don't know if that was staged or not or whether that was actually her. I mean, she she maintains that she she's just been herself. She's not playing the game and all that. And, um, yes, yeah, so it remains to be seen how long she'll last in the house for because uh, I just couldn't believe her reaction. She, it was like someone of a 19-year-old. She just lost the plot and uh, – I think Big Brother, when you enter that house and you realise that you want to be a contestant, you have to understand one thing and that is is people will do what they can to vote you out if they don't like you or if you pose a threat. It's how it's always been on Big Brother pretty much. Um, people are going to talk about you, people will vote for you and they don't need to have a reason why and the two girls that did vote that won the challenge, that voted for uh, Marissa to be voted out, they really couldn't find a reason why. They just had to pick someone. And sometimes if you get on well with most of the housemates, it's hard to give a reason why you've got to vote for someone. But um, you've just got to realise, you know, people are going to backstab you and talk behind your back and do everything. There's 14 housemates or 12 housemates or whatever the housemates number there is, they're not friends. They're just people that just got to know each other Um, People that are just being themselves are being accused of playing the game when only their true friends would know if they're being themselves or not. And some people do put an act on to try and win the series because there is money on offer at the end. So I don't think I could uh, personally go into a Big Brother house and compete. I I think it would do my heading because um, I think you've got to be tough-skinned and you've got to be prepared for people to not like you I don't think you can go into the house and you're going to be loved by 14 other people. People will find a way to evict you because you're either a threat because you're too nice or you're a threat because you're you're causing drama and people like drama and prefer to keep those people on during the series. So let's see how this series goes and I hope it is a success for Channel 7. It'll be interesting to see what will happen if if it rates well, whether there's going to be future series. So uh, that's just one thing to keep an eye on. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully in the next episode I can confidently say that the borders are open and people can travel wherever they wish to. Uh, July the 10 seems to be the date. Not official yet, but we'll know in the next few weeks on what's going on there. Thanks once again, and we'll see you next time, and it's bye for now.